0: Thank you, Mr. Plou. What a joy it is to be with you this morning. And I haven't spent nearly every waking hour since the end of April. But I am very motivated about what God is doing here. Six and a half or seven months ago, I had never heard of Newhall, California. That's how narrow and limited my life had been. But I had heard of the God of the universe, who has a plan for your life that is greater than you can imagine. And he has brought you here, whether you're staff or faculty or students, he has brought you to this place for a very special purpose. And as we address these few moments together this morning, I want to focus on God and his plan. Turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, I want to read through much of this tremendous portion of the Word of God with you and use it kind of as a backdrop for where I believe God is leading me this morning. For not only is he the creator, sustainer, the awesome one, but the God of love. The one who, to you who played soccer yesterday at Biola, this morning, wants to be a God of comfort. And I don't say that lightly. You may want to find humor in that, but we have a team of men who are committed to the Lord and committed to playing for his glory, and they had very limited time to prepare and to get their bodies in condition. And yesterday they met a team that had been in superb condition, had been getting that way throughout the summer. Some of them recruited even from Europe to be on that team. And our men yesterday played their hearts out. They played as unto the Lord, and that's what is required. And as the season goes by, men, I'm proud of you. I was proud of you yesterday. I'm sorry, I missed the first part of the game. I was caught in a traffic jam. But I'm proud of every one of you, and I'm excited about how God is going to use you as a team of men to bring more glory to him by the way that you play as the season progresses. And those of you who are competing on other teams... The same thing as you play unto the Lord and for his glory. And we're going to win more, and we're going to win more and more as we prepare better, as we condition more thoroughly, and as we have that opportunity. God has given us a great young soccer coach in Rich Cooper. He's given us a great man that probably the man better than anyone else who knows about body conditioning in all the world, and that is Russ Hodge. And one of these days we're going to introduce him to you and have him share a word of testimony. And he's helping alongside with our athletic program this year. But I just wanted to say that word of of comfort to our soccer team this morning. You encourage them. You encourage them today because they're not feeling happy because it's hard to lose. And there are others of you this morning, you've been here. Soccer team has been here since the middle of August. They came early to practice Many of you have been here just about two weeks, some of you only one week. But you're coming to a point, some of you, where you're saying, wow, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. I I don't know if I can handle all these classes. And the reading assignments, it just blows me away. How am I ever going to do it? Am I sure this is where God wants me to be? The doubts begin to set in, even this morning. I know that's the case in some of your lives. Some of you are dreadfully homesick already. All you can think about is where you came from. God knows that. He knows all about you. He knew you'd be homesick. He knew some of you would be frightened by the workload. When I went to high school, I, some of you could relate to this. All through high school, my teachers kept saying to me, when you get in college, you're going to be in trouble because you never open a book. Somebody did relate. I'm glad not everyone laughed because the rest of you were brighter than I was, and you studied and you applied yourselves, I assume. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't. But when I got to college, I was scared to death. They had said all through high school, when you get to college, you're going to be scared to death. I could do well on the exams, but I was lazy. And I was busy playing whatever sport was in season. I was busy earning money so I could have a convertible and have dates and and uh, have a full life that way. I wasn't obvi- I obviously was not a Christian at that time. And I was that kind of guy in high school. And when I got to college and I walked up the... The past to the University of Pittsburgh. I was scared to death. I was a candidate for a nervous breakdown because I knew it had to count. And ringing in my ears were those words of so many teachers that said, "When you get in college, you're going to be in trouble because you haven't studied, you haven't learned to study." And guess what? They were right. My first semester in college, I tried to study about 19 hours a day. I was determined to make it. I was, I've been a goal-oriented person. God has made me that way. I'm motivated by challenge, as many are, of you are. Each of us have a bent from the Lord and motivated different ways. Mine happens to be to be motivated by challenge. I was determined to make it. And I studied, and I studied, and I studied right through the weekends. And I, I became so nervous and so uptight that finally I decided that if, if it's this hard, then... Um, then maybe I shouldn't be in college. I wasn't a Christian yet, remember. And as it began time for the second semester, and I realized that that, that was foolish, I settled down, and I did well. Those of you who are here and have Christ, and that should be every one of you, if you're scared, if you're troubled, if you're homesick, you have a God who wants to comfort you this morning. He wants to comfort you every day of your life. Let him do it prophet Isaiah, these words, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. He saying to Isaiah, comfort the people of Israel. They've been through so much in the captivity. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And as we read through this, I want to ask you to totally focus on it and get a glimpse, a new and a fresh this morning, of the great God that we have. We talked about his attributes, Chris and Russ, Monday and yesterday, and again today, to focus on who he is. Verse 4, Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The voice said, Cry, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower But the word of our God shall stand forever, and in an institution that God has privileged us to come together, committed to the word of God, you are here, men and women, because God wants you to master his word, to be used in all of your life for his glory. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. He talks about his heart and the great love that God has and that he has for you and for me. And then he takes off now to talk about the greatness of God and about his role in creation. And now I want you to focus on the greatness of our God. Verse 12, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, the oceans, when he created the oceans of this world, that great Pacific that we love to go and and swim in and and sun beside held that in the palm of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. All of the dust, all of that material that comprises the earth in the perspective of our great God, he could contain that in something called a measure. And weighed the mountains and scales and hills in a balance. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or been his counselor hath taught him? Who taught him? No one. Rhetorical questions continue one after the other. With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? No one. Of course, he knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. He has all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. I wonder where that phrase had come from as a drop of a bucket a nation of 200 million or a nation of over a billion people like china and hundreds of thousands of acres are like a drop in a bucket to our great god he is the one who has brought you to this place he is not going to let you fail as you seek to walk in obedience it continues as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. The islands are just so tiny that he hardly would even notice them in his hand. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn. You've heard of the great cedars of Lebanon, the great timber that is there in that nation. He's saying that all the great timbers of the nation Lebanon would not be sufficient for, for an altar fire that would be appropriate, as an appropriate sacrifice for him nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a bird offering. If he took all the beasts from the nation of Lebanon, it would not be sufficient for an appropriate offering. Verse 17, all nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare unto him? Then he talks here a little bit about the, about the silly little gods that men will make up. And he talks here about some that are different than the kind of gods that we make up in our particular life. But in each of our life, everything, everything that you allow to come in priority before God is the kind of idol that Isaiah makes fun of here. The workman... Verse 19, melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth over with gold and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it been not told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth as vanity, as vapor, as soap bubbles. Yea, though they shall not be planted, yea, they shall not be sown, yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall... Take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for he is strong in power, not one who faileth. Who sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. He's speaking right to you this morning, young woman, young man. You feel like giving up already. It's been hard to make friends. You haven't reached to others as perhaps you know that you should and you felt they haven't reached to you. And the assignments that you have seem like they're overwhelming. And you are weary, even in your youth. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. That's the kind of God we have this morning. And that's the kind of God that in his plan for the universe has brought together people in circumstances over the year, 58 years, this institution has been in existence our God sent godly men 58 years ago to found this institution, and over the years, through a godly administration and faculty and staff, he has preserved it pure and through the administrations of Dr. Carl Swayze, a great man of God who is alive today at the age of 90, who calls me each week for prayer requests. You'll get to hear him on Sunday evening. Pray and pray. Offer a word of challenge at the close of the service, even at age nine. I'm going to ask you to pray for him this week. His health is not strong. He wants so much to be a part of this special event on Sunday evening, Dr. Carl Swayze. Would you pray for him each day? That God would give him health and strength to be able to be a part of this momentous occasion. And then Dr. John Duncan, our present chancellor, who for the past twenty six years has been used in a tremendous way by God as as the as the administrative glue, as the leadership to build the foundation that's so strong and firm in Christ and based on the word of God and without apology, to bring this school to this point in time. When you meet Dr. Duncan, thank him for allowing God to use him in such a great way over the years. What a special man of God that he is. When I first arrived on the scene, no, and since that time, no one has been a greater encourager to me. As he would travel in the summer, meeting with alumni, and as he would call and to say, how are things going, I would say to Miss Ishii, my secretary, when Dr. Duncan calls, I always want to talk with him. He is such a great encouragement to me. What a man of God. What a leader. What a role model. And then that this college had come to that point in time where it would benefit from a broader drawing community, to be able to have visibility across this nation and across the world, to be able to attract young men and women, to bring them here, to equip them for excellence in the master's service. And when it came to a point of needing to have not only a, a broader base to draw students from, but, but in need in these days of great cost for educational institutions to have need for a broader donor base as well. And the Lord brought into the picture one of the great men of God of our time and Dr. John MacArthur. And it's amazing to me how God put that together. Dr. MacArthur lives just a few miles down the road. Did you know that? And in God's plan, that He would do it in a way that He would not have, that He would not have to give up His position as pastor, teacher of the Grace Community Church, and to bring all of that together. I first met Dr. MacArthur in 1970. I was a very young Christian, only about two years in Christ, and Still hadn't found a Bible church. I had never been in a Bible church. I was in a liberal church, got saved in a liberal church, so totally frustrated, knew we should be doing things, knew the pastor wasn't doing the right things, didn't know where to go to church. Some layman who loved Christ invited me to a retreat that was just for laymen at a retreat, at a, uh, at a resort on Lake Erie. And that's where I first met Dr. John MacArthur. I remember him like it was yesterday because he picked up the Bible as the Word of God and he was so excited and he said, Now, when do you hear this? he hasn't changed all these years, his love for the word of God. And it's my prayer that every one of you would get that love for the word of God. And then as the years would pass, I I never forgot him. And then I came to an opportunity and God called me into ministry when I was 35 years of age and resigned from my position. And went off to seminary and in God's provision those of you who are married students I had a wife and three kids and we had no idea how God was going to provide and we we left a for sale sign in front of a large home God had blessed me in business and had done well that way but had come to a point in my life where the things that had eternal value were the only ones that really had importance by God's grace I had achieved enough status and enough money and enough of those things of this world to satisfy my particular need and it meant nothing and I wanted more than anything else to study the Word of God. And as we prayed, God opened the door for that. And he gave us a truckload of faith, if you can imagine that, my wife and I and three kids driving across the state of Ohio to Grace Theological Seminary in, Indiana, in, in Winona Lake, Indiana. And we didn't know where the income was going to come from. And we hadn't even sold our house back in Ohio. But we knew that's where God wanted us. And he had gone before, and he got me a job there. In administration, I had an an office, the only office in the seminary classroom building God provided for me and and a private secretary, and so I I could work in the 10-minute breaks between classes and before in the morning and late in the afternoon, and my wife didn't even have to work. She was able to stay with the children through those three years because of God's provision. And then when the end of seminary would come and it was time for me to go on and... Into what God had for me, he led me back to the church that we had been in called the Chapel in University Park in Akron, Ohio. In my first year there, I met Dr. John MacArthur. He was a close friend of the pastor of that church, Dr. David Burnham. Some of you have heard him. And I met Dr. MacArthur. And then in the years that transpired, when Dr. MacArthur would come to preach, I would usually have opportunity to host him. And we got to know each other that way then about two years ago, on a particular weekend when Dr. MacArthur and his wife Patricia were there, my wife and I spent an evening with them, and the Lord just seemed to knit our hearts that night, and we didn't know why. I mean, we had just had a wonderful time together, just a special, our wives together, and God just was doing something in our lives, and we had no idea what. And then a year and a half later, when God directed Dr. MacArthur here, and when he needed someone to come along and help, and he called and asked if. If I would be that person, and I had no idea of leaving that church, I was totally happy, a great church, but God had a plan. And he sold our house on that end in 11 days in a depressed market. Can you imagine that? And everyone in the church said, God must want you There's no way that house could have sold. And one thing after another, Then, when we had moved here through the summer, we just each day have seen God's hand on this school in a special way. Each one of your lives represents that. God has brought you from 30 states and six foreign countries. That's twice as many states as last year. Because God is using the international ministry of Dr. John MacArthur to get the word of the Master's College all across the earth and attracting students to it. Well, why do I believe you're here? I believe that each one of you is here to be especially equipped for service to the master in the days ahead what does that mean turn with me please to matthew chapter 28 a very very familiar passage matthew chapter 28 beginning with verse 18 and jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world. That applies to each one of you and to me, just in the same force and power and strength that it applied to the, to the disciples that day. What does it mean? It means that God has a plan for the ages. And you know about that. And his, in his infinite mercy and grace, he has already reached on and he has called you to himself and you're his child and you belong to him. And as a child of God, he has a plan, a very special plan. Each one of you is different. There has never been anyone exactly like you, and there never will be anyone exactly like you. You have been uniquely prepared, equipped in every way by the God of the universe. The one who has all that power and that. yet the exercise of all that power is motivated by his great love and his great love for you. And he wants to give opportunity for you and your life in a maximum way to bring glory to him. Now, the way that you can do that, is to get to know yourself. What is special about you? Don't try to copy someone else. What is unique about you? What are your spiritual gifts? When you minister, what comes easily? What really flows for you? What are your talents? What are you good at? What are your skills? What is special about you? God has created you in a very special way. Now, has he just created you in that special way and then whatever happens will happen? There are no accidents. We have a sovereign God who's in total control. He has in mind for you as he had you in his mind before the foundations of the earth. In the days ahead, you're going to find yourself in one sphere of influence after another for all the rest of your days on this earth. And each time you find yourself in a particular situation, if you're careful, if you're careful, to be sensitive and to observe and to see what is there that God has provided in way of opportunity just for you. And so what we're about here is is God has brought you here to be equipped for what he has ahead. For some of you, there will be call into ministry as pastors, teachers. For some of you, there will be call into missionary service. But for every one of you, There is a call to penetrate the spheres of influence that God is going to bring into your life. The Great Commission that we've just read is for all of us, for all of our lives. Some of us will go, all of us will send, and all of us will pray. And some who go for a season will come back for a season. It's not necessarily a lifetime of call. God will put burdens on your heart, as last evening I was able to hear the reports from the Brazil team, the young men and women who had privilege this summer to travel throughout South America and to minister. And because they were there in God's plan and program, there are going to be many men and women, boys and girls in heaven, as they had such great fruit of ministry in Brazil. Even with difficulty with language and the spirit of God overcame that through interpreters and other ways. And even as I was there and received a phone call back from the church that I came with, and incidentally I continue as as Asian Ministries Coordinator for that church, a call to discuss planning for ministry at the Olympics in 1988 in Seoul, Korea. And with involvement in that, and some of you, I believe, are going to have opportunity to go and to be used in a strategic way in 1988 in Seoul, Korea, as God brings the nations of the earth to the Korean church that they might catch vision for world missions. The Korean church is one of the strongest churches. It perhaps is the strongest church on the face of the earth today, but for some reason that has not caught a vision for world missions. And in God's plan and program, the 86 regional games, the Asian games, will be there with opportunity. For us to learn how to minister to those who would come for the Asian Games and to equip the churches for that so that when they come from all across the world to Seoul, Korea in 1988, the churches of Korea are going to be ready and to be equipped to be servants to those who would come to offer housing, to offer transportation, to offer language service, and do none of that, do all of that free of charge and to love people to to Christ from all across the earth. And in the process, we believe God will give them vision to begin sending missionaries throughout Asia. We believe that Korea is the key to that. Why do I share that? I share that because of a total involvement of this college. I share that because of where you individually may fit into God's plan and program and to give you vision for what he may want to do with you in the days ahead. There is no limit to what God can do in your life. It is the greatest adventure of all time. Turn, please, to Ephesians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I want to especially encourage those of you who are considering careers, that God is leading you into careers that would be, quote, non-ministry in their label. Some of you are going to be scientists. Some of you are going to be teachers in the secular school systems. Some of you will be accountants. Some of you will be business managers. Some of you will become presidents of corporations. Some of you will become leaders of our land. Some of you may become senators and representatives. There is no limit to how God wants to use you. And in the process of that, he wants to use your special gifts in those spheres of influence. When a man is the best accountant in his department, when a man is the best Or woman is the very best and most well-thought-of teacher in their school, not only by student but by peers as well and by administration, by virtue of excellence in their vocation, because they are the best accountant, because, because they are the very best biologist, because they're the best nurse, because they're the best doctor, because they're the best lawyer in their group. And they are the best lawyer or the best doctor, because they're motivated out of serving the Lord rather than just serving their own ego or just serving in order to obtain money and status. But their motivation is as unto the Lord. And when that particular person motivated as unto the Lord and has excellence in their profession, it attracts the attention of all those around them. And everybody in their corporation, everybody in their hospital, everybody in their law firm knows who they are. They've attracted their attention, and then when they look at them, they observe their lives, and they see their character qualities, and they see Christ in them. And there's no defense to that, men and women, this morning. A life that is sold out to the Master, living every day in that vocation, in that family situation, as unto the Lord is a life that everyone notices. A man and woman who have a godly marriage in their neighborhood is the one of the greatest tools of evangelism today with only 11% of the families of America, according to a current news magazine this week, in a traditional family, mother, father, and children. A family that is held together by the love of Christ, and a family that walks in obedience is a family that draws the attention of all its neighborhood. And people are led to Christ. Christ And people are added to the kingdom because of a virtue of a marriage that is godly in its qualities. And so it's that kind of life that God has out there for you, just a tremendous adventure as to how he wants to use you and the way he wants to use you in those spheres of influence. Because when you're that best accountant, you're that best teacher, and everyone is attracted to you and they see your character qualities and they want to know why you're different, and you have the opportunity to tell them why you're different. And they trust you. They want to be like you. And they surrender to Christ because the power of God has been so real in your earthen vessel. You know, as I was reading that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 about the earthen vessels that we are, about the power of God through your life and mine, when you're sold out to him, it made me think in contrast as you go down to the ocean and you see the power of the waves and we say, look at God's power, isn't he magnificent? And when you go up into the mountains and you say the beautiful snow-capped peaks and you see the splendor of that and we say, wow, look what God has done. When we look at the hand of a newborn baby, we see the intricacy of that. And we say, what a marvelous God that we have. Look what He has done. And yet in your life, He wants to be seen in your life in such a way that you're so distinctive and so different that when people look and observe your life, they see Christ and it brings glory to God like the roar of that ocean, like the hand of that baby. And they say, how could He be so different? How can he or she always be consistent? How can they always have a smile? How can they... That's the glory that we're created for, to bring glory to God. Ephesians chapter 4. You've turned there. I don't mean Ephesians. I'm sorry. I mean Colossians. i just like to hear you turn the pages. That's wonderful. Colossians in chapter 4. I want to give you something here to take away with you concerning being in a posture in which God can use you in a mighty way. I'm going to read through with you verses 2 to 6 and then come back and talk about them. The Apostle Paul writing, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. Back to verse 2. There is a tremendous plan of strategy here as to what God wants you to do in your sphere of influence when you go over shopping, when you stop at the same gas station every day, when you meet people on the street, when you meet people at your place of employment, those who are working somewhere else or who will be working somewhere else, any contact that you have with those who are outside the family of God or who appear to be, here's an instructional outline for you. And it begins with the mindset. I believe in verse 2, Paul here is talking about the mindset that he wants every one of us to have every day. Continue in prayer, number one. Put down the letter P. Continue in prayer. That is to acknowledge your total and utter dependence upon God. When you get up in the morning, to be on your knees and in that quiet time and Each day, acknowledging again and again your utter and total dependence upon him, what that does is give us proper perspective for life. Think about the kind of verses that we read today about who God is and who we are in relationship to that. And secondly, and watch in the same with thanksgiving, and watch to have a watchful attitude, to be alert. God is moving people and circumstances in and out of your life and in and out of my life in a unique way. He'll bring somebody in your life today who needs encouragement. Be sensitive to that. When you see a brother or sister walking and their head is down or they're walking slowly and they're alone, come alongside. Love one another. Be alert to what God is doing in your life. He's going to bring people into each of your lives today that he has a special ministry just for you to do. He's equipped you for that by virtue of your gifts, abilities, and experience. And he wants you to touch some lives today, right on this campus, and then as you would leave this place. And Paul was saying, be alert, be watchful. Be prayerful, P, be alert, A, okay? A, be alert as to what God is going to do. And be excited about seeing the hand of God in your life each day. Be looking for what the God of the universe is doing. Be looking each day for things that only God could do. Circumstances that occur that you just say, wow, you know, that just couldn't have happened. God put this with this and that with that and... Isn't he wonderful? Be looking each day alert for what God is doing and what he wants to do, and be anticipating him, another good letter for being alert. Anticipate that God wants to do something in your life today and tomorrow to show, to reveal himself to you, to encourage you, to cause you to be excited about serve him, serving him with your life. And thirdly, with thanksgiving. So that's P-A-T, isn't it? A Pat mindset. if you have a pat mindset, you're prayerful, you're alert and you're thankful. you're ready to be used by God. Remember that. What does it mean to be thankful? You know some time ago, I think it was it was Thanksgiving Eve, I was preparing for a Thanksgiving Eve message, and I went through the Bible from front to back, looking at every time the word thankful or thanksgiving, every time the word thanks appeared in the Bible. And when I was finished, I decided that if the next time, if I ever had another opportunity to be involved in the writing of the doctrinal statement of a church, there would be a new doctrine. It would be called the doctrine of thankfulness. I don't think there's anything more important to God than our having a thankful heart. Yet I've never seen that in a doctrinal statement. It ought to be there. So those of you who become pastors, put that in your doctrinal statement someday. It's very important to God that we're thankful because we're acknowledging that all that we have, all that we are, dependent upon him, everything that we have... and are and are going to be, and everything that we're going, just everything about us is totally from him. And you know what? You can't, you can't be sinful when you're thankful. When you have a thankful heart, you don't even think sinful thoughts, do you? When you have a thankful heart, you don't say things that you wish you could get that word back. That never comes when you have a thankful heart. When you have a thankful heart, you don't do things that you're sorry that you did. Do you? To have a thankful heart is to have a positive mental attitude. And to be able to prepare in a maximum way, to be able to seize the opportunities of each class. Men and women, when you go to class, don't worry about the grades. Go to get the knowledge. Fight to get in the front row. It's so much easier to to pay attention in the front row or in the second row than it is the back row. And you're not here to play some kind of game. Some of you have a deeper motivation because you're more mature in the Lord, and God knows that. It's up to the rest of us to help those who are not at that point to come to that point. Those who would be distractors in a class, pray for them. Those who aren't ready for the, for the depth and the intensity of information that's being given to them, encourage them, help them get ready for it. I believe that God has brought every one of you here for a special reason. Every one of you. That means if you're thinking about quitting, don't do that. If, you're think- if anybody's thinking about quitting, come to see me. I want to talk with you. God has a plan for your life, and I don't think there's a school in the, in the world that is better equipped to provide and prepare you for that plan. I am so excited about what God is going to do in each of your lives. I'm looking forward to the years ahead when I read about how God is using you, each one of you. That's what he's doing here. That's what the one who sits on the circle of the earth, and in perspective, we're like grasshoppers. And yet he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. And into that equation, he now gives us opportunity to tell that good news to everyone. And whatever vocation you go into, the ultimate reason for that vocation has to be seen in the light of your being a minister of reconciliation, Second Corinthians 4, or an ambassador for Christ. You're going to be an accountant, you're going to be an engineer, some of you, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be a teacher, whatever you're going to be. If God is directing you to that, he's doing it because he wants to use you to bring people into the kingdom in that particular career field. It's it's only incidental to the main reason that you're alive. The great adventure is to be used of God. Don't ever get that mixed up. So that the primary reason that you're here is to prepare for a career. That isn't the reason. The reason that you're here is to prepare for a great adventure to be used by God. The God of the universe who has such a marvelous plan and wanting to use each one of you That is the tremendous truth that I want each one of you to have this morning. The career that you choose, directed by God, has got to be in line with how you've been equipped in order to maximize for his glory. And so when Paul would finish writing these verses here, He says in verse 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom. You're gaining knowledge and then wisdom so you're able to have a a posture of life that is going towards always those that are outside of Christ and being ready and equipped then to seize every opportunity to buy it up that God would give to you. That's what we're here for. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. That's what we're here for that we can learn how to answer every man. Do you know why God brought you here? I want to ask each one of you, as you'd be in your quiet time in the next 24 hours, to reflect on the circumstances of your life in the the unique and wonderful way that you heard about this college. Go even back and thank God for calling you to himself for the day that he saved you. And then see those series of events that have led to your being here at this college. You'll be marvelously encouraged. And our God and Father, we just thank you so much for who you are, for the plan that you have for the universe, for the marvelous way that you have brought faculty and administration and staff and students together into this place. that we might be used by you in each other's lives as we proceed on that great adventure of being conformed to the image of Christ and the great adventure of being used by your spirit to bring others to you. Oh, God, I pray especially for those who are getting discouraged. I pray that your spirit would give extra measure of strength. I pray that your spirit would bring others around them to comfort, to encourage, to reinforce to love. And God, I pray you make each one of us sensitive to the needs of those who are around us. Help us all to be walking in wisdom towards others, whether in the body or whether outside the body. Oh God, we want to be used by you. We want our lives to count. We want our lives to be the great adventure that you want them to be. We want to bring maximum glory to you in all that we do and all that we say. Help us do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.